Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's Football Podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie, and this is Before the Box Score. There's going to be a whole lot of recruiting talk tonight, so I hope you all are ready to rock. Uh, but before we jump into the recruiting aspect, big personal news for all of you who don't live in St. Louis or don't follow Mr. BK. <laughs> um, Brandon got the promotion to the big seat. He's got his own radio show on 101 ESPN. And everybody at Rockium is very, very proud. So round of applause for you, good sir, BK. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much, Nate. Um, it's been a wild week, to say the least. Um, last Friday, I found out that, uh, first of all, some, some sad news. Because um, typically, when these sorts of things happen, uh, there's sad news that goes along with it. Uh, we had to let go of Bernie Miklas at our station, and Bernie has been nothing but unbelievable to me. When I was at 101 the first time around, uh, Bernie used to have me on on his show as the Mizzou Insider, and I was just some 23, 24-year-old knucklehead that had just graduated from Mizzou, worked out there as a reporter, host, and producer for a year at KTGR, Came over to 101, and he saw that I kind of knew a thing or two about Mizzou, and he was like, hey, would you be interested in kind of coming on my show as our Mizzou insider? And I was like, dude, yeah, like, you're freaking Bernie Miklas. Of course I would be interested in coming on your show as a Mizzou insider. So he had me on basically every week that Mizzou played, and we would just talk about the upcoming game or recap what had happened the week before. It was awesome, man, and it lent me some credibility that – I don't think you can pay for the type of credibility you get when Bernie Miklas has you, you on his show as a quote-unquote expert. So, crushed me to see him go, but when the pandemic happens, unfortunately, really difficult decisions have to be made. And so, uh, that was the decision that my company decided to make. And um, for me personally, it, it also opened up a spot. Um, our old host... Anthony Stalter moved to the afternoon show. I am super thrilled for him. He's going to be awesome on it. Um, And that meant that I got the call to be the new midday host. So if you are in St. Louis, if you are elsewhere, and you are interested in listening to St. Louis Sports Talk Radio, especially right now, there's not a whole lot of sports, so it's a whole lot of uh, Mm -hmm. chicanery going on in the middays. Um, We are live and local 
from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. It is the Rivs and BK show. It is former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers and myself, and we just have a lot of fun, man. Today we had basically three hours of everybody telling me why I'm wrong that Frank (laughs) Gore is not a Hall of Famer, (laughs) and that's... That's just kind of how things have gone. So thank you, Nate. I appreciate you giving me that opportunity. But uh, it's a it's a huge huge opportunity for me. I I'm super excited about it, man. Well, I for one, I'm not going to claim any credit for getting you to where you are. I think uh, most of Rocky <laughs> is doing so, but uh, I will not do that. Uh, but yeah, very excited uh, to have uh, have a guy on 101. That's pretty cool. Who also writes for Rocky, which is pretty great. So all you St. Louis Mizzou fans. I uh, get excited for one of your own. We've got a Mizzou guy in the market. Finally. We officially have a Mizzou guy. Finally. Randy Carricker is 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 partially Mizzou, but he's really St. Louis through and through. Mm-hmm. Um, I am truly a Mizzou guy, and I think as far as I know, I'm really the only quote-unquote Mizzou guy on the station. So we've got that going for well, us, ladies and gentlemen. Michelle Smallman's enough Illinois for that entire, uh, entire <laughs> exactly. building. So, uh, yeah, it's good to have you in there. Uh, but yeah, let's talk some Mizzou. Um, so this, like, like I said, this is going to be a recruiting heavy show. And I know a lot of y'all enjoy recruiting. I do too. I don't know the ins and outs. We're not insiders or anything like that. But it is fun to follow. And and really one of the biggest things that I read today was an article on 247 uh, from Bud Elliott talking about recruiting in the era of COVID-19. Um, and it was really fascinating to read. Uh, both Beaky and I went through it, and, and we'll just kind of touch on it here. Basically, the, the trend that they're seeing is that a, there are way, way, way more commits uh, year to date than there have been basically in the past 10 years. And a lot of that is because these kids can't get to campus. They can't go to these camps, and the coaches aren't able to see them in person or follow up on them. So... These kids want to make sure they have a spot. So they are committing now. The coaches want to make sure they have a team. So they're taking those commitments now. And the the theorem of the piece basically was that, yeah, they're taking them now. But once things lighten up, once you can actually see people in person, there's going to be a slew of quote-unquote decommitments. Once the coaching staff sees exactly what this guy has become over the past couple months and decides if they actually want him or not. So... What does that mean for Mizzou? Well, we have seen a bump in recruiting, um, not only in number of guys, but profile of guys as well. And BK, I don't know if that was the first thought that you that went through your head, but I'm thinking, okay, we've got eight guys with the 27th ranked mm-hmm. class right now. What happens when we get to the fall, and who's going to decommit first? I mean, what what do you think about that? So I think the thing that immediately came to mind for me is looking at, okay, where are the Mizzou commits from? And you start to look at it and it's like, we've been talking a lot about the in-state recruiting and it's a very convenient narrative for all of us to buy into, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of wonder, okay, was this the easy decision for these guys to make? Like Mm -hmm. if all else fails, I know what Mizzou is. I've been there a million times. I grew up going to those games. I visited as a sophomore. I visited as as a junior. I know what I'm getting with them. Even if I don't know the coaching staff all that well, at least I kind of know what the environment is that I'm walking into. Mm -hmm. I wonder if some of these, I don't know how many, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's all of them. I have no idea. I wonder how many of these are that versus guys that are like, you know what? I really like what this new coaching staff is selling to me. I'm buying in. Let's go. I'm full bore ahead. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know how anybody could know the answer to that question right now. But that's going to be answered depending upon what we see in the summer and then into the fall with the question that you just asked of how many decommitments are we going to see. I think we're going to see some. I have no idea who it will be or how many there will be. But this is I you sent me this article to read before we kind of talked about this today. It's a fascinating possibility. I also wonder though how long it's going to be before we really start to see these guys decommit. Is it going to be something that happens in August? Is it going to wait until November? When are these decommitments going to happen and how far does it put these coaches behind the eight ball? That's going to be the next question that they have to answer. Yeah, I you, you kind of have to think when, well, it's going to be when they can take visits, when they can hit these camps, when these coaches and coaching staffs can see what they are right now or see some new tape. I mean, so when is that? You know, what what is this country going to look like, you know, in three weeks, let alone three months? So, you know, it all depends on when that in-person meeting happens. 
And if that happens, you know, I don't know, July, August, yeah, you might start seeing decommitments at that point because, yeah, now the Ohio States are getting out there. Now the Notre Dames are getting out there. Now Texas and Florida and USC is getting out there and seeing these kids who are across the country and going, yeah, I'm taking you and I'm dropping this guy, right? That's that's kind of what you're thinking it's going to be. However, what happens if those in-person visits can't happen till October, November, and signing days in December? So I think it all depends on when when those visits happen, when that coaching staff can get on them. If it's later, I'd have to think that decommitments either don't happen or are fewer. But um, I am I, I I'm right there with you. It's like oh St. St. Louis kids. Mizzou's really, really close. You know, mm-hmm. you can always kind of count on that. You know what that is. That's a known quantity. Uh, but once you start seeing LSU's sleep pods or, you know, t- all the, the gadgets that Tennessee has in their weight room, all that good stuff, like how long are these going to last? How good are these going to be? I mean, that's – they're young kids. They're very impressionable if you get them in person. I will say this, though. One thing that I would add to the conversation is in the meantime – Drink and his staff are going to be able to build some relationships with these guys. And who knows how far that goes, what that ultimately means in the long run. Like you said, going to Neyland Stadium and being in front of 100,000 people on a Saturday, if that is possible this fall, we'll see, um, (laughs) that can weigh on a recruit. And that does make a difference when you go there. And listen, I love going to Faroe. It ain't Neyland Stadium. I don't think that that's breaking any news to any of our listeners it's just a different atmosphere. And so when you go to one one weekend and you go to the other the next weekend, that can weigh heavily on these guys. So hopefully those relationships that they're able to build right now between now and whenever that time is that they're ultimately able to take some of those visits is strong enough that it prevents these guys from making the decision kind of emotionally as opposed to with what they previously had relationship-wise. Mm, exactly, exactly. You got you to gotta hope those relationships last and... So far, um, you know, Drink and, and his friends have really been making uh, the state of Missouri and St. Louis, of course, as well, um, a prime candidate to build those relationships and get get themselves out there. So they're following uh, through on their that. promise. They they're really following are. through on their promise this far. They really are. You know, Odom staff always always talked about you know locking down the borders of Missouri. You know, they they weren't as successful. Let's just put it that way. Whether yeah. it wasn't uh, it wasn't a, as big a priority as they said, or they just didn't have success, I don't know, but. Whatever the reason, uh, Drinkwitz is making it happen. So uh, I am good to see that, and it'll be really curious to see who decommits you know, across the country and when that happens. Um, but along those lines, as far as like recruiting targets, BK, do you remember like 18 years ago when you wrote an article about Drinkwitz's <laughs> new <laughs> recruiting territory? It was in February, by the way. It feels much longer than that yeah the time between february and now has gone uh slowly let's let's put it that way that's a good way of putting it It went slowly so anyway bk wrote an article back in february when drinkwitz was out there doing the media uh the media circuit and he talked about his focus in recruiting and i think he said approximately twenty thousand times dallas denver and chicago as well as the state of missouri and that was kind of a new one for us and and he mentioned that it was because that's where the direct flights were Mm -hmm. well let's ignore the fact that you know flights are not a thing anymore but focusing on that recruiting turf i was i had a question bk i always have these questions and that's where all my articles come from i wanted to know what does the recruiting territory of chicago look like what does the recruiting territory of denver look like Mm-hmm. And so I, just, I went to 247. I looked at the past five years of recruiting. Now, Chicago pumps out, you know, the state of Illinois has somewhere between 70 and 100 recruits every single year. And the majority of them are from the Chicago metro area. So it's, it's a lot. But when you look at the schools, it's Big Ten imprint everywhere. Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. You see Iowa. You see Wisconsin. Right? You see a little bit of Tennessee. You see a little bit of uh, Ole Miss. So, like, everybody recruits Chicago. So, the fact that Missouri is getting in there, you know, we, we talked about this back, probably back in February. Where it was like, oh, yeah. hey, you're in Chicago and you want to play in the SEC? Come here. But when I looked at the number of schools and the number of conferences that are represented there, it's like, it doesn't feel like we're bringing anything new. Does I mean, how do you feel about recruiting Chicago at this point, since that's where they are right this week? 
Yeah, I was about to say, I saw Eli Drinkwitz had tweeted out earlier earlier this week, 10 coaches, two days, one city, talking about going up to Chicago. It's, it's one of those things that I've always thought made a lot of sense, and it's just so hard to know if there's actually going to be any fruit for that labor, you know? Um, and I think you have to try it. If you're Eli Drinkwitz, I think you have to go up there and see what can come from it. Mm-hmm. That being said, you might end up with one commit as a result of that. And is that worth the time that you're spending there? I I don't know, frankly. I I don't know what the answer to that question is. But with how many kids are coming... I said this at the time that we talked about this the first time, and I I still believe it to be true. With the number of kids that are coming to Mizzou from Chicago, Mm -hmm. it's not similar to LSU or Ole Miss or Florida going up there and recruiting. Like... Chicago is a recruiting base for the University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. When I was at the J School, there were more kids from Chicago and Dallas than Kansas City. I was actually <laughs> yeah. a lower-level person on the totem pole as a kid coming from KC with the in-state school than those from Chicago or Dallas. And so if you're a coach at Mizzou, I think you take advantage of that. Yeah. Will it work? Who knows? But I think you have to at least go down the path first to find out if it can. And if it fails, it fails, and you've got other safeguards with the in-state commits that he's getting mm-hmm. right now, going down to Texas and finding those. I think Dallas is absolutely a prime area, yes. prime hub that you have to be hitting. But I think in the meantime, you should be at least trying to figure out if you can get something with Chicago, because you do present something to Chicagoans that LSU, Florida... Um, Alabama, all of those don't have, which is you're still pretty close to home. The people yep. that are in that area that want to come watch you, if they want to come watch you on a Saturday, they can drive to Columbia and still watch you on a Saturday. So I think it's worthwhile. I just don't know ultimately how successful it can be. What were your thoughts on it? I, I, I started getting a little gun shy about it, especially when I saw the types of schools that were consistently pulling in kids. But, I mean, you're going to get that everywhere, right? You get that yep. in St. Louis. You go up against Ohio State and, and, and Notre Dame all the time. So, like, it's, it's nothing new. And, and I do appreciate taking, taking a shot at it. Um, you know, like you said, if it works out, it does. If it doesn't, you move on. But, really, the, the fruits of this labor, you're probably really not going to see until a couple of years down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, again, like we said, relationships. Once you figure out who those high school coaches are, you get good with them. You know, then they start recommending kids to you. Then they start letting you, you know, you go see the games, start seeing other kids. You start becoming a familiar face. Like, it takes time. And, and so I don't anticipate, you know, a crop of three Chicago kids in the 2021 class, even the 2022 class. It's probably going to start, start as a drip, and then you start seeing more. But, um, yeah, if you don't want to play in the Big Ten, if you want to get away from home, if you want to be close but still get away from home and break out of the Big Ten, Missouri's a decent option. Um, and so I, I, I like it. I'm a little more discouraged after seeing what they're going <laughs> up against, but I still like the idea. It still seems like a good idea to me. You know what I think it can be? I think it can be this staff's replacement for what Detroit was for the previous staff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the the previous staff had some relationships uh, with coaches in Detroit because of past relationships there. Um, and I think this can be that. They weren't getting three, four, five, six guys from Detroit every year, but they were signing pretty consistently a, a guy, maybe two from that area. Maybe it can be like that, where you're signing a guy or two every year from Chicago or that area. And you kind of move forward with it. And it's a hub. You go up there, and hopefully three, four years down the road, you're becoming even more entrenched in that area. But in the meantime, you get you get a kid or two every season, and you're, you're happy with that as being the result. Absolutely. So, that, you know, they're in Chicago right now. I'm really curious to see what they what that comes uh, for as far as fruition goes in the next couple of years. So I want to move to Denver. And this one I was actually really excited about, BK, and I want to tell you why. Okay. I, I went through, same thing as Chicago, I went the past five years, so 2016 through 2020, and I looked at, number one, how many recruits are from the state of Colorado, mm-hmm. and number two, how many of them were from the Denver area. So Colorado as a football state, um, 2016 was not a good year for them, and they only had 16 recruits total, none of them were better than a three-star uh, and 12 of them were from Denver. But then 2017, they had 26 kids rated. In 2018, they had 24. In 2019, they had 35. And in the 2020 class, they had 33. And they've had uh, multiple four-star kids in the past four classes. I'm like, okay, that sounds a lot like Missouri. Yeah. Okay. 
So then I wanted to see what kind of kids can you get out of Colorado. And the overwhelming number of kids, I think there's 17 offensive tackles ranked in the past five classes. 17. The next closest position that was ranked is running back with 12. Most of those guys were two stars. And then the next after that was outside linebacker with 10 kids that were ranked. So, again, kind of similar to Missouri. You get a lot of line plays, some like, you know, tough-nosed, hard-playing kids, right? Um, But then I wanted to see who recruited the state the best. And we have not talked talked about this. We have not discussed this. And, BK, you're not going to get penalized or whatever. But I want you to guess the top three schools that recruit the state of Colorado. Oh, God, that's a great question. So are the in-state schools in play here? Yes, you can select the in-state schools. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to assume that CU is one of them. Is that one of the three? It is. Okay. I'm going to guess... I think... I, I'm going to go here. I don't know that it's for sure true, but I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. What about Stanford? Is Stanford on the list? They are on the list, but they are not in the top three. Okay. Uh, Arizona State. Negative. No kids in the last five years. Zero. Wow, that's Zero. impressive. Mm-hmm. That's a real whiff there. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go with USC. USC. Zero kids in the past five years. All right, go ahead and give it to me. What, who right, the hell so is you, recruiting Colorado? You got Colorado, the University yeah. of Colorado in Boulder. They've had 15 kids in the past five years. Uh, really, That's actually low. In, it is. So they had five in the 2019 class and then only two in that 2020 class when they switched from Mel Tucker to Carl Dorrell. Okay. Um, so I think there's, you know, there's a lot of flux right now. But two in the 2016 class, three in the 2017 class, three in 2018, and then five in 19. So Colorado is number one um, as far as recruiting the state. Colorado State – is a healthy number three. Okay. They have recruited 10 kids in the state of Colorado, uh, four in that last class, the 2020 class. So they've actually been pretty quiet for the past couple of years. So, you know, I don't know if you at home are following along, but you're thinking, oh, maybe it's Air Force. Well, Air Force is on here. They're number four, but they've only had five kids from the state of Colorado. Same as FCS school, Northern Colorado. <laughs> really? So that's, yeah, that's kind of where they're at. The number two, well, actually tied for number one. I am sorry. Colorado is tied for first at 15 kids over the past five years. Also tied for first in that time span. Powder River, Wyoming, baby. Really? Okay, that makes sense. I I was thinking bigger. I So mm-hmm. I guess this is kind of why you're excited about it. I was assuming that it must have been a Pac-12 school. I mean, Mizzou would be the best out of those four you've mentioned so far. Like if you've got an Wyoming, offer Colorado from one State? of those four and yeah. you got a Mizzou offer, if you're willing yeah. to go out of state and you're not willing to go super far, but you want to go far enough that you're like away from home, mm-hmm. damn, that could yeah. play. Nebraska only has four kids in the past five classes, none from last year. Washington State has four, uh, one for each year for the past four years, basically. And you get like... Idaho and Michigan and Oregon and Stanford and Virginia, they pluck one here or there, but overwhelming Colorado, Wyoming, Colorado State. And so I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, you get to come in as the SEC, as Missouri, who used to play in Colorado, well, I guess at this point, you know, 10 years ago, but, uh, you know, you used to be there. It's a name that at least their parents would be familiar with. Um, If you're going against two Mountain West schools and and a well, at this point, a bad Pac-12 school, get it, baby. Get after it. Do it. I'm here for it. One thing that I would have a question about, and I'd be curious on your response to this, Nate. How much of this do you think is cultural? Like, I'd be curious, and I know this would take a ton of research and a ton of time, and it's probably not worth even looking into, but... How many of those guys that went to CU or Colorado State or Air Force or Wyoming had better offers in other areas and bypassed them to be able to stay in the mountain region? Does that make sense? Yes. Like, how many of those guys were like, you know what, USC, I'm out. I'm staying in this area because I freaking love Colorado. And I wouldn't blame them if they did because Colorado is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
how many of those guys were like, you know what, Arizona State and Arizona or whoever your Pac-12 team is or SEC team is that you root for, I'm out. I'm staying here at Colorado State because I want to be closer to home and I want to be near the Rocky Mountains. I don't know what the answer is to that question. I'm asking this without having any clue. But that would be something that if I'm drink, I'd be looking into to know, is there something here? Or is this just a cultural thing where these kids just want to stay home? So without going back and diving into their offer lists, which I I have a lot of free time. I don't have that much free time. <laughs> um, I, w- I will tell you this. Of the, of the kids who signed with Colorado, 2, 3, 4, 5, 10, 11, 12. 12 of the 15 are three stars. Okay. They were only nabbing. You only got three four stars in that in that hall. Okay. Where did the four stars go? Well, there were none in 2016. In 2017, two signed with Colorado. One signed with Michigan. That was Dylan McCaffrey, by the way. Uh, and then one signed with Virginia Tech of all places. In 2018, one signed with Colorado. One signed with Nebraska. It was an offensive tackle. Washington State got a defensive end, and Oregon got an outside linebacker. Oregon. Okay. So in 2019, where did the four stars go? Well, there was only one, and he signed with Stanford, another tackle. And then 2020, there were two four stars. One signed with Virginia, and the other one signed with Washington. So if you're thinking of the talent, because that's kind of what you're talking about, what, what's the yeah. offer sheet for the talented guys? They're going out of state. Interesting. You're not, you're not fighting Colorado, <laughs> Colorado State for the four stars. Like maybe a handful here or there. But the talented ones are keeping their eye out. And so I feel pretty good that, yeah, if you go up against, you know, Virginia Tech, a Stanford in Oregon, uh, you know, Old Dominion or, you know, Washington or something, like maybe you can't offer exactly what they're offering. But, oh, my God, like if you're looking at, I think the majority of the four-star kids were tackles. Yep, pretty much every single one was an offensive lineman. We got a pretty good track record with offensive linemen in the past five years. So, you know, why not? It's worth a shot. It's kind of what I said with Chicago. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? It doesn't work out. You end up not getting many fruits for your labor, and you move on, right? Like, if, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and that's fine. There's a lot of places that aren't going to ultimately work out. Mizzou went into Florida for a couple of years. It was a disaster. It didn't work at all. And they kind of pulled out. Like, they, they moved forward with life. Um, the the Tigers moved out of Texas for a couple of years. It was a horrendous decision. It didn't bear any fruit whatsoever. It's the worst thing that Mizzou has done recruiting-wise probably in the last decade. They go back, and now they have some of those same relationships that they had previously. So as long as they're keeping the relationships in-state, they're keeping the relationships in Texas, from there, try the places that you think can ultimately work. If you think that's Chicago and Denver... If you think that's Chicago and the state of Colorado as a whole, I got no issues with it, man. I'm all here for it. I just want to make sure that you continue recruiting the in-state base. That's ultimately where they have to get the majority of their talent from. We know that. And Texas. And if you can do those things while also recruiting elsewhere, I, I'm all for it. I agree. You know, get get the highly rated Missouri kids and then pepper in all the overlooked or other kids from other places. I mean, Denver is a perfect place. Oh, the past five years, there's been 134 recruits ranked by 247. 98 came from Denver, or at least the Denver metro area. So it's a good place to be if you only have to, you know, one-stop shop in Colorado. That's where you want to do it. And if you can find some kids that are getting overlooked just because they live in Colorado, um, your competition's not super stiff. So, uh, yeah, get after it and, and open up another pipeline. I'm, I'm all about that. So we've talked about recruiting as a whole kind of in the big picture scheme we've talked about recruiting as far as strategy and what drink and his friends are doing let's talk about those kids that actually said yes <laughs> to the miz so we the past two weeks we have brought on a bunch of kids it started with uh taj butts uh, out of dismet great name great name Just tremendous tremendous name uh he was followed up with his friend ryan Horsecamp out of washington mo a little bit later that day. Five days later, we got the big fish, Travion Ford, defensive end out of Lutheran North. Um, and then, uh, I guess, gosh, only four days ago, uh, Darius Jackson, a cornerback out of Red Oak, Texas, uh, gave his verbal commitment um, to the Tigers. So we we got four new guys. One of them, obviously, is a big name. Um, but, BK, 
just vague question. How are you feeling about recruiting today? Dude, good. How could you possibly not feel good about recruiting today? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I I know we just talked about how everywhere uh, colleges are currently experiencing like this influx of talent that's all coming their way. Let's ignore all of that. Throw all of that to the wayside because I need positive (laughs) news in my life right now. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be damned if this doesn't make me feel good. You got recruits from St. Louis, Washington, Missouri, St. Louis, and Red Oak, Texas. Yes, I'm in. Sign me up for that every day of the week. And oh, by the way, there's a 5.73 star, a 5.63 star, a 5.53 star out of Texas, though. It's a little different. And a 5.84 star that committed to Mizzou in the last week and a half. Yes, Mm -hmm. sign me up. I don't care what's going on elsewhere in the country. I know that it might be difficult to keep some of these guys on board. I'm here for it, Nate. I'm absolutely here for it. Yeah. I, uh, I've i been able to watch a little bit of the film. Um, not a whole lot because I'll tell you guys, watching film is boring. <laughs> their, highlight, <laughs> their highlight reels are exactly what you think they're going to be. So I like to look at like what the rest of their team is doing around them. Um, so like, oh, are they benefiting from like an awesome defensive tackle or a super cool offensive line? Like whatever. Um. I did the deepest dive on Taj Butts. I actually wrote the recruiting story for Rocky M, so I, I actually committed a decent amount of time to watching him. So he's, he's a junior. We're looking at his junior film, and he was splitting time with another guy who graduated, so he's going to be the primary back this year. My only critique, my only critique, and this is, you know, this is, it is what it is, and it's just for me, like almost half of his highlight reel is him busting 60 yards because the offensive line just, demolish the defense in front of him. And he just <laughs> runs completely untouched, which is super cool. I like it. You're not always going to get that in the SEC. Um, but um, that would be my only critique. He did some, he's got some nice shifty moves. He's got a pretty nice stiff arm in there. Uh, some pretty good blocks. So um, this is the kind of guy that I think, you know, with another year of seasoning, especially as the starter uh, at the Smet, I'd like to see uh, what he does then. But I'm super excited about a guy named Butts joining the team. I... Yeah, that that is something that I'm very much here for. Um, he's also five eleven and a buck ninety as a junior in high school. <laughs> yeah. That's a big dude. That is a big running back. And you add that to the fact that last year the running back that they took in the class was Elijah Young, who was five nine shorter, but a buck eighty five already as a high school mm-hmm. senior. I wonder if we're starting to see kind of a theme of what the style, the size of running back is that they like for their system. If they like this bigger, bulkier back, it's going to be a little bit of a difference from what we're kind of used to seeing at Mizzou. Because we're used mm-hmm. to seeing guys like Henry Josie that are small and shifty, um, the, the Marcus Murphys of the world. That's that's a different style from what we could potentially see here. This is more almost in the Demarie Crockett lane mm-hmm. of what a running back looks like so I'll, I'll be interested to see if this is going to be a trend moving forward of the type and style of running back that they're kind of looking for <laughs> i just apparently henry josie was listed as 510 170 in high school i don't believe that i don't think he was 510 <laughs> at all but okay that's fine um yeah I, you know a, a bigger running back um one one interesting thing i don't Again, I see all of these recruiting headlines. I just don't ever follow it all that much. But one of the coolest things I saw, so Syracuse uh, with Dino Babers, who runs the air raid. You know, you're thinking. I love you know, that guy so much. He's so great. You're thinking kind of stumpy offensive linemen that can, like, get in the way with large splits. You think really quick receivers, and you think, you know, the running backs who are, like, shorter, you know, but quicker and, like, they catch a lot of passes. Dino Babers signed a running back who's, like, six foot two forty five. Oh my god! And he wants to use him like to as he's passing to the sidelines to get this giant dude to run up the middle. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> um, so you know, any kind of offense, even especially in college, but really at any level of football, always kind of ebbs and flows with the styles and like, oh, someone's going to do this. So you know, defenses are getting lighter and faster. So if we're going to run the ball, we got to get bigger and stronger. You know, like there's always a zag to somebody's zig. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I always I love the fast hitting running backs who are like deadly in the open field but if you if everyone's kind of moving towards a lighter you know kind of pass coverage linebackers and pass rushing defensive linemen who might not stand up to run blocking as well i am all about a giant dude running the ball right down the middle yeah, I mean, like, let's go to the NFL for a second, right? And we kind of look at what Tennessee was able to do last year. 
Derrick Henry wasn't just effective on the ground. Derrick Henry was also effective as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Now, that's not the way we think of him, but Derrick Henry, think about it as, as a screen game uh, target. That dude is terrifying. You get a couple blockers in front of him in space, and now he's going up in space against a safety and a corner. Okay, yeah, good luck with that one. You can't bring him down. Like, yeah. it'd be impossible. And listen, th- like, Taj Butts is not Derrick Henry. Let's let's go ahead not and yet. put that to rest before we get there. But just stylistically, like, if you're thinking about the bigger back, the bulkier back, and what they can ultimately be, it's not just the road grader that's going down the middle and you're thinking, like, 24 ISO every day. It's not all they can do. They can also get out in space, and if you use them as a pass catcher, especially in the in the screen game, it can be effective that way as well. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see what Taj can do his senior year, and then of course with Mizzou, we we added Ryan Horsecamp, uh, tight end. You know his highlight film was good. You know a lot of a lot of good passes. He watches the ball into his hands, which I super appreciate. Uh, or at least it looked like he did. Uh, Darius Jackson, of course, we have yet to have um, a defensive back in the class, so this is our first one. And Texas, which is they need, dude. Okay, yeah. Uh, let's talk about this for a second, because we are putting together some recruiting Q and As for the site, RocketNation.com mm-hmm. is where you find them. And I, I think they're really good. I, I mean, certainly the other guys put together a lot of work into this, and they've been tremendous. My answer is not so much, but um, I, I was looking into the D backs on this roster. Who the hell is the number three cornerback on the team going into next yeah, year? Yeah, maybe Chris Sheeran, but we have no idea. Holy cow! They they have a serious issue at the position. Um, mm-hmm. so uh, they they need to start getting an influx of talent there. And I don't know if Darius Jackson is going to be that. I have no idea. Who knows, right? But he's six one, one seventy five. He continues the trend of them kind of looking at these longer corners. It seems like that's what they want on mm-hmm. the roster now, and that's that's fine by me. I got no issue with it, but. Oh boy, they they need to continue with that. They need more corners in this class because there are not enough of them, not enough quality guys on the roster right now. Yeah, we got to really, really hope that Enos Rackestraw is a guy who can start day one. Yep. And if not, you are looking at Chris Mills or Chris Sheeran or you know Ishmael Burdine, I think, saw some time last year. I don't know, but... Yeah, it's it's not great. So um, your nickel corner um, or your sub out for when you have the third safety off the field, it's it's pretty thin right now. So um, next year might be three safeties on the field instead of three corners. Like they, they might go that route instead. To. It has to. Yeah. Yeah. It, it absolutely because you have Tyree Gillespie, Joshua Bledsoe, someone between Martez Manuel and Stacy Brown. Yeah, I would be way more comfortable with that. So or Jelani Williams. Jelani Williams got a lot of yep. good uh, good time in the, towards the end of the year as well. So. Uh, it's good to see uh, Darius jump on board. It's going to be a while before we see him, but I'm glad he's here. And then we get to, kind of, well, I mean, as of now, the crown jewel um, of the recruiting class in Travion Ford. So we we had our article go up today um, about the lack of talent, to put it bluntly, oh at the defensive gosh. end position. Um, BK, I'll tell you, like I I have been complaining about the defensive ends, I think, as long as I've been at Rock M. And you know this, but like when you yeah. really put into perspective, I looked at the 2015 roster of defensive ends, and then you look at who made it to two for two years. None of them did. None of them did. And we had six guys who were freshmen or some version of freshmen, and none of them made it to their sophomore years. And you, you got to say, I mean, yes, yeah, some of them were dismissed, some of them transferred, but you know. Odom got rid of these guys and then replaced them with nothing. Just yep. bodies, JUCOs, walk-ons, two stars. Like, he did a terrible job of restocking the defensive end, uh, defensive end position. And that's really why the defense had so much problems, or so many problems, other than the read and react, um, in those first couple of years from him. I mean, do you remember, like, Walter Brady and Nate Howard and all those guys? Dude, Walter Brady was a superstar. And I I, I was covering the team at the time. Um, I'm not surprised Walter Brady got dismissed. Let's put it that way. Um, I I think that was understandable. Um, But... that, that being said, like he, he was a stud, and you had talent at the position. So kind of to your point, if you're going to dismiss him, even if it was necessary to, dis- to dismiss the guy from the program, you've got to replace him with talent. You've got to find somebody that can come in and give you that sort of production from the position 
Nate, I looked this up last night as we were kind of going through these things. There is a total of one Mizzou defensive end in the last three years that has more than three sacks in a season. Three. I'm not asking for a lot. I'm not saying you got to be a stud. Like, we're used to 10 and a half, 12, 13 sacks Mm -hmm. in a season. I'm saying three. It was Marcel Frazier in 2017. He's the only one in the last three years. So, I mean, it's been, it's frankly unacceptable um, Mm -hmm. for what we've seen out of that position. And yeah, if you're going to look at a guy in Barry Odom that we both agree is a really good defensive mind, Mm -hmm. that's clearly one of his biggest issues was he was never able to get the talent. He was never able to produce from the defensive end spot. And that's a spot that for 10 years, Mizzou was known for what they had at defensive end. It was baffling, man. Looking back through Mm -hmm. that and you know it in the back of your mind that it's been happening, but to see it kind of in the plain numbers, it was startling. So, so Trayvon's coming on, or should be coming on board, and, you know, we got, let's see here, right now we have Zachary Brooks and Johnny Walker, which are underclassmen, um, you have Jatorian Hansford, which, God, you hope he puts it together, mm-hmm. and then the three seniors, Chris Turner, Trey Williams, and Cy Martin Jr., uh, Cy is not taking a snap, <laughs> Trey missed all of the spring practice and fall practice last year, and Chris Turner is, a, I'm sure, a, a nice, large guy, but just, we need somebody else, so... Unless he has a Michael Sam leap, well, a Michael Sam and a half leap, really. <laughs> um, you know, we're just not going to expect too much from Mr. Turner today. So, uh, you know, this year's defensive ends, you know, you got to hope that Brooks and Walker crack the starting rotation because that means that they are better than what we've seen, and we have seen what we have. And I hope that they are better than that. And then hopefully Mr. Ford jumps in and provides an instant spark uh, to kickstart the young Drinkwitz regime. But um, I am super excited. Anytime a four-star signs, I'm super excited. Especially this kid out of Lutheran North, I uh, he looks like a beast, and I can't wait for him to be on be on the team. And that's a hell of a school to get this type of guy out of, man. Mm-hmm. That that place is popping out talent every single year. Lutheran North mm-hmm. is becoming a hotbed for four star and three star recruits here in the St. Louis area. So if they've got an end with that staff, that's a good one to have it with. Um, I, I don't know what this means for some of their other guys, but anytime you can get one player to hop on board from a school, from an area, it tends to help with the other guys that are in that area. They all talk. It's 100% true. They all talk to each other. And if they have a good experience at Mizzou and they like Drinkwitz, that's going to get back to these other guys in the area. So it certainly helps. Man, this guy has a chance. It, if he ends up being what they think he can be, and he's undersized. He needs to put on some weight whenever he gets into mm-hmm. college. I get all of that. He's got a chance to can come in and contribute, especially as a like sub rusher right away. He legitimately mm-hmm. can do that if he's if he's able to become what they think he can be. Yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, it's very very good news. Very happy in recruiting land for the Tigers, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see what happens as the year goes on. So. I uh, I want to close out the show today, and I teased BK with a silly a silly thought that I had the other day. I have not told him because I want his live reaction as we go through the show. So you all get to hear this the same time that BK does, and I'm going to say something probably incredibly blasphemous and stupid, but I want to get your opinion on it. So here's my thought, and and I want you all to remember that this is coming purely from a college football standpoint. Every other piece of fallout, every other thing that would be touched by what I'm about to say, we're ignoring it because we're focusing on college football. That's why you're listening to the Rocket Nations football podcast, okay? So let me start my train of thought here. It's all a chain of logic, I promise you. Step one, BK, the Drinkwitz staff are competent at worst recruiters. Agree or disagree? Agree. Good. Number two, the best sales pitch that a salesperson can have is one that can't be disproven. True or false? Uh, true. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that is true. Thought number three. Playing a football season can either affirm or disprove a recruiter's pitches. Do you agree? I would, I would tend to agree, yes. Good. Then thought number four. The best time frame for any recruiter, good or bad, to make their pitches to kids is that first season before the games have been played where their pitches cannot be disproven. 
Agree or disagree? Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. Sure. Okay, good. Thought number five. If there is no 2020 season, then Drinkwitz and all can be can recruit for two years using a year one strategy. Huh. True or false? <laughs> I think there's some truth to it. So here's where it gets tricky, though. Yes. Let me hear it. Money matters, man. It does. And I don't know what Mizzou football looks like next year if there's no football this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm legitimately saying this, like, as you said, I haven't thought about this for even a second because I didn't know where you were going with this. <laughs> but everybody in college football, we talked about this a little bit before we came on air. Everybody in college football has hundreds of millions of dollars in incentive to play this fall. And don't let that fall on deaf ears because, let me say that again, everybody in college football has hundreds of millions of dollars of incentive to play this fall. So, when you have that kind of an incentive, typically you try to get things done. But let's go down this path for a minute, because you presented an interesting hypothetical. If they don't play this fall, for whatever reason, and they can't play in the spring as well, and they can't get a college football season in, if we then operate under the assumption that Mizzou is okay financially, yes. you're absolutely right. It could be seen as a net positive for drink, because a lot of the things that we talked about early in this discussion of these kids that are kind of hoping to hold down their spots right now. And maybe later on they'll see if they've got better options and they'll take those right. Mm -hmm. Better options aren't going to appear if there's no college football season, because that would mean then that these campuses, I would assume are still under lockdown. They can't have kids on campus. They can't take recruiting visits. So they're just going to stick with their original decisions. So the kids that are committing now will stick with Mizzou. And then you get to do the same thing next year. So to answer your question, it's a long-winded way of saying it, but to answer your question, yeah, it could ultimately be a great thing for Drinkwitz, although obviously a bad thing for literally everybody else outside everybody of this, but you already, mentioned, yes. you, you already mentioned that we're talking about Mizzou football here. Let's keep it to that. Yeah, it'd be good for Mizzou. It's just he's, he's knocking it out, and he's doing so with, like, a world that recruiting's never really been in, at least this type of recruiting. And it seems, you know, that it's it's pretty great to you to make these pitches without anybody to disprove them. This is exactly what UAB did for two years and built up a killer roster of JUCOs and upperclassmen and won Conference USA two years in a row. Now, I understand UAB is not Missouri, and I understand the Conference <laughs> USA is not the SEC, but you get the idea. Being able to recruit without being wrong is tremendous. So it's, it was a stupid thought, and I certainly do not wish for this thing to happen, but I'm trying to look for silver linings in case something terrible happens. And this was, a, this was the silverest of, of linings that I could find. Nate, am I, am I a total sucker if I'm falling for drink? Like, I, I, <laughs> I look at the recruiting right now, talking to the guy. Like, I think he might have that it factor. And could. I, I could very well be wrong. And again, it's... It, what is it right now? It's May 6th. He hasn't lost a football game. All of this exactly. is going to change in the fall if and when they play yep. football. So God bless it, right? Like, we'll see. <laughs> he doesn't have a quarterback right now, I'm pretty sure. So that's no. going to be a bit of a problem. Um, I think he's got a little bit of that it factor, though. And if he does, I'm not sure it matters all that much if we go down this hypothetical lane or if they have a football season, he's going to lose some games this fall. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he does, he's going to have some explaining to do probably to some people that probably thought he was going to be better than he was. But I think as a recruiter, as a guy, as somebody who's going to sell your program, I really do think he's kind of the real deal. And if that, if that is, if I'm right on that, um, I, I don't think that the recruiting is going to take a significant step back, even when there isn't this pandemic going no. on. I certainly don't think so either. I think that, you know, win or lose, I think at this point he's probably pitching, hey, we are building something special, and I want you to be a part of it, and I want you to be on the ground floor. I want you here. And you can pitch that and still lose a boatload of games because then you get to say, hey, you're talented and good. Get in here. 
you're on the field day one. Let's do this. You know, you can you can make that kind of pitch, which is a it's a great one for kids who want to play immediately. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there there are. He's a he's a smart guy. He's been doing this a long time. He knows how to recruit eighteen year old kids. I, I trust that he does. So I think he can weather some losses in the first season. Not a, no doubt about it. And really, if we're if we're being honest, I think every new coach this year should be treated as if this is a complete rebuild, just because of all of the limitations that have been placed on all sports, let alone college football. Like it's going to be so tough to get in there and start your program right now that I hope that every administrator out there is giving them a long leash uh, to do their thing, not not even starting to talk about the lack of money to fire somebody. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. But I think everyone's going to get some pretty a pretty decent long leash in this first year. We're not the basketball guys here, but this could ultimately prove to be a nice thing for Conzo Martin and the Mizzou <laughs> basketball team as well. Cause I wasn't going to say it, but, you know, you're right. You're right. You're right. They, they do have some stability within the roster. Uh, they've got a lot of guys, potentially, as long as everybody comes back and doesn't go to the draft, and I wouldn't expect that they will. But as long as those guys come back, they've got a lot of guys coming back that could be helpful for this team. I It, it could be good for the Mizzou basketball team. So good times ahead, Nate Edwards. Hooray! That's That's what we're saying right here. <laughs> Thank God for COVID-19. It made Missouri sports good. <laughs> Jeez. That's our stance here. Don't take don't take that out of context. I'm standing by it. Uh, well, gosh, we you know what? It's so funny. We, we when we talk about these off-season shows and especially off-season shows with like no sports happening, it's like, what are we going to find 30 minutes and and BK we've gone 50. So, listen, uh, man, I do 3 hours of radio every day. This is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> It's a nice warm-up for you. So yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, we got to let him get back to the radio booth so he can talk about St. Louis sports. But that is our show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Uh, please, please, please leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback, of course. You can follow us on Twitter at Nate G. Edwards is me, at BK Sports Talk is him. And, of course, you can follow the Rockham flagship at Rockham Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. See you.